0: Now, I'm giving this message by request of some of the executives here. It's been several years since I spoke to you on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And uh, these executives feel that certain uh, people are coming into this institution sometimes with a little sort of a twisted approach to this proposition. And we need to state clearly and definitely Bob Jones University's position in understanding of the, what the Bible says about the work of the Holy Spirit. Want to be clear about this thing. And I want to say this to you before I read any scripture to you. I want to tell you folks something. Uh, we are facing in this country today many, many, many problems. I said this morning over the radio, I, I'd like to read this to you. It's a saying on, on my program, Dr. Bob Jones says, On one side of the road of useful Christian service is a hedge covered with theological icicles. And on the other side, uh, a hedge burning with fanaticism. So it's best to stay in the middle of the road. I don't know who's doing most more harm in this country, these cold, technical, dead fundamentalists, or these wild fanatics. I can't say who's doing this country more harm at this time. Right now, when there's the greatest evangelistic opportunity in many ways that we've ever faced, for God seems to be in a hurry now to get a bride for his Son. And all of this marvelous uprising of hungry-hearted people hang on the radios to get the gospel. Not an ecclesiastical movement. It's a strange, peculiar, independent movement. Some of these ecclesiastical bosses are going to drain out of their churches the spiritual life by their dictatorial approach to their problems. But there is a strange movement in this country. And if you are not familiar with which way God's moving, you won't know how to go along. Now, just well to face it. Now, this school here is built upon the essential fundamentals of the faith. This school is not interested in any extreme, radical, twisted approach to anything. We're not interested in cold, technical, theological discussion that freezes you to death. And we're not interested in any wildfire stuff either. We're interested in the straight down the road. That's our business. Now, if you are not interested in that kind of school, this isn't your kind of school. Uh, Go to another kind of school, get you one of your own, start one somewhere. But we're not interested in this institution in an eccentric position one way or the other. We're interested in sticking to the fundamentals of the faith. You know, the trouble with all the divisions and strife we have in this country comes out of an overemphasis upon something even if it's so, doesn't have first place and somebody makes it first place. You've got a tongues movement in this country. I'm going to say something about that in this message. Even if the tongues people were right about it, they're still wrong. Because they're putting an emphasis somewhere the emphasis doesn't belong. You've got other emphases. You've got some people more interested in the second blessing than they are in getting the fellow where to can get the second blessing. They forget the first and skip that and all together and jump over to the next one and underscore that. And you've got some premillennial Christians in this country, one of whom I am. I'm a premillennialist, have been. I'm sorry for a postmillennialist today. I'm not as sorry for an all because he can figure a way out maybe all of a sudden. But a post he he's up against it, under view of world condition. And I'm a pre But I know some people, if you don't underscore pre, instead of Calvary and the blood of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, you get in trouble. Now, the early church had its trouble, uh, not about some eccentric interpretation except in the church. The early church was persecuted. Uh, not because of some eccentric position. It was persecuted because he went around and said, Jesus Christ isn't dead. Jesus Christ is raised from me dead. Jesus isn't in a tomb. And that was what got them in trouble. They had trouble among themselves about eccentricities. But no outside trouble. Their inside trouble was about eccentricity. Some fellow came along and said this and argued about it. Another fellow argued on this side and split themselves all to pieces. As far as the animosity of the world or the hatred of the world was concerned, It wasn't about their eccentricities. What they uh, put them to death for was saying that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. The great leaders of the New Testament era and the early church put the emphasis on the fundamentals. And you go back and read where Paul taught and all he said, and you'll find he always underscored these. When he ran into controversy, he said, I'm determined not to know anything among you, say Jesus Christ, in crucified. And the emphasis in that Corinthian epistle is on you, uh, that's where it is, on you Corinthians, you, you divided people. And it's, it's devilish to divide God's people and get them to fighting about things that don't belong to the essentials of the faith. Now, this institution is not built on any one interpretation. Any orthodox Christian of any denomination of America believes the Bible can come to this school and feel home. I read the other day in the paper where one of the denominations of this country, a group of preachers, said if you can't come to our own denominational school, go to some other denominational school. Brother, that's going some, believe me. other words, just the Baptist that going in going underwater uh, tells them to go to a Methodist school that sprinkles them rather than come to Bob Jones University uh, where we don't make a baptismal issue one way or the other. Strange how people are today discussing things in this country. Now, there isn't any Orthodox Christian in the world that has any concern about the position of Bob Jones University. It deals with the essentials of the Christian faith, of the fundamentals, the eternal fundamentals. And if you're interested in some eccentric position more than you are these fundamentals, you're in the wrong place and pack up your duds and get away somewhere else. We're going to stay in the middle of the road here. Now we're going to give you the word of God on the Holy Spirit. In three messages this morning, this afternoon, at 335, tomorrow morning, I'm going to give you the gist of what God says about the Holy Ghost. Now, if God's ever spoken, He's spoken in the Bible. The Bible's the only book that's ever been written, that speaks to absolute authority about what God wills and what God says. And I'm going to tell you what he says about the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be messed up. You don't have to be mixed up. You can understand it. Now, we're going to give you the word of God, and there's no question about it. I'm not an authority on everything, but I'm sure about what I'm saying to you today, what I'm saying this evening, what I'm going to say tomorrow morning. All right. First, the Holy Spirit's a person. When I speak of a person, you immediately think of a human being. We are used to seeing human beings and see say person. You think of a man or a woman. Now, a person is a human being, but a human being is not necessarily a person. God's a person. Jesus is a person. The Holy Ghost is a person. Devil's a person. Demon's a person. A person is a self-conscious being with a free will. That's a person. Now, you're a person, but a person is not necessarily you. Now, the Holy Spirit's a person. He's as much of a person as you who sit in that pew this morning. He has not your body, has in your hands, has in your eyes, has not your ears. He has in your human form, but he's a personality. He's a self-conscious being with a free will. So the Bible teaches. Now let's take the word of God hurriedly. All right. John 16, 13. How be it? When he, that's the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you in all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. Whatsoever he shall hear, That shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He, there in one verse, personal pronoun used six or seven times. He, 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 he. I heard a fellow not long ago talking about the Holy Ghost. He had every blessing you ever heard of. He talked in about a dozen tongues, he said. He he was a great authority on talking you ever heard in your life. He'd speak all the tongues in the country, what he said. He spoke the Holy Ghost is it. He didn't know what the Bible taught about the Holy Spirit. For it, 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 it. You've got just as much right to call your professor here. Or your wife it, or your mother it, or somebody else it. Now let's understand. You don't have to know this. I didn't know it when I was saved. But I thank God I know it now and I knew it later. Holy Spirit's the first. He, 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 he. Now take another verse. Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen. 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Equally associated with Father and Son. Always. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Equal. Equally associated. Keep in your mind. Personality. Equally associated with Father and Son. Take this verse. Matthew 28, 19. Go ye and forth all the world. And teach all nations. Baptizing them. In the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Holy Ghost. Equally associated with the Father and the Son. Personal pronoun used, so they the father and son equally on an equal basis. Take this passage, Isaiah 6, 3, 10. Now the Holy Spirit not only a person, some people tell you the Holy Spirit not in the Old Testament, he is in the Old Testament. Holy Spirit is for everlasting, everlasting. Same as God the Father and God the Son. Take this passage, but they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, therefore, say this is an awful verse. They rebelled and vexed the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was trying to be an enemy and he fought against him. Say, the Holy Ghost isn't some anemic, sickly, sentimental personality. He's a person that's capable of holy anger. You can rebel, you can vex him. And he became an enemy He that would woo them to God in judgment, rose up to fight against him. He's a person with feelings. Let's take this verse here, 2 Samuel 23, 2. The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. Holy Spirit speaks. There's a poetic sense in which flowers may speak to you in the springtime when you're in love. Poetic sense. But only a person can speak. There's a Holy Spirit that speaks by a man. The personality speaking, intelligent personality, through the servant of God. Take this passage. Ephesians 4.30 Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby he is sealed on the day of redemption you can grieve him you can hurt him you can stir him up to righteous anger say I'd like stop passing to say to you the most sensitive person on this earth is the Holy Ghost the purest girl that ever blushed the purest mother that ever rocked her baby to sleep is not as sensitive to himself as the Holy Ghost you better be careful how you treat him better watch out how you deal with him listen listen. let me tell you something it's dangerous this strange wild things people are doing and saying today sensitive Holy Spirit take this passage Acts 5 3 but Peter said Ananias why has Satan filled thy heart to lie lie to the Holy Ghost you can't lie to a thing you have to lie to a personality he's a person to whom you may lie all through the Bible you read these verses. Now then, we are dealing with a personality. Goes all through the Bible, but you, you don't have to worry about it. that's clear. That point's clear. I'll venture in this Christian school, and we forget sometimes that a good many of these young people come from homes they've never had any Bible teaching. Many of them come from good homes where you've had to have been fortunate. I never had any Bible teaching when I went off to college. Nobody gave us any Bible teaching. We knew God loved us. Jesus died for us when we were saved. We had no false teachings, thank God. Everybody in that country believed the Bible. They just, they just didn't teach it with the emphasis on the essentials that we are doing now. I've told you before, the only thing I knew when I was a young preacher, was well, if you got a fellow of Jesus, he'd be alright. That's all the theology I had. I sometimes think maybe I was better off than some of the rest of them. So I didn't know any of this. Listen, I was through college, before ever I came in contact with Bible teachers, that came down the simples, essential fundamentals of the thing. I think we take it for granted. Sometimes these young folks know things they don't know. I'll venture the assertion there's students in this school this morning that never before realized that the Holy Spirit's a real person. You know, some of us get old and more advanced, so we forget the fact that people just don't know. And you've got folks in this country crowding your churches that don't know anything about it. They just join the church and it's sort of vague way you believe Jesus could save them, and that's all they know. And we've been teaching them books about the Bible and haven't taught them the Bible. Been the trouble all over this lane. Alright, now we're dealing with a personality. Sensitive personality. Personality that can be grieved. Personality that can be vexed. Personality that can have righteous indignation feel things. Now, what's the first work? Where is the Holy Spirit? He's in this earth. There's a sense in which this is the Holy Ghost dispensation. That's all true. Jesus said it was expedient, he'd go away. Expedient. If he'd go away to the Father so the Holy Ghost could come. There's a sense in which Jesus is not on this earth. Jesus Christ is bodily up in heaven. Right as I'm standing on this platform talking to you tonight, Jesus Christ is up in heaven as real as you in this building. He's up there bodily. Same body nailed to the cross, shed his blood on the cross for lost man, was buried. The third day he rose again. After he got up from the dead, he had the same body, except he had no blood in it. He said to them, touch me. I'm not a ghost. A uh, ghost has not flesh and bone. You see, I have. He had a body that could go through closed doors. He had a body that people could touch, and yet he could take food in it, disappear out of sight. He went to heaven in that body. Up uh, there this day, He's at the right, Father's right hand. Jesus isn't any ghost. He's a man in glory. A man raised from the dead at the Father's right hand today. And there's a sense in which He's not here. He's coming back sometime. Of course, the Holy Ghost, which is the other self of Jesus, is here. But Jesus Himself is up in heaven bodily. Now, in His absence, while He's away, He said, I'm with you always. Even at the end of the age, He is with Him. But He's with Him in the person of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I know we're moving into the realm of the mysterious and the mystic. I know all that. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, what's the Holy Ghost doing on this earth? Let's find out. What's he here for? What's his business? He's here. Well, Bible makes it plain. There's several things he's doing. First, the Holy Spirit's in this world to convict men of sin. And God knows that's what this country needs. The old, time deep, pungent, irresistible conviction for sin that we knew when I was a boy is almost a thing of the past. Folks are joking about it. Sin wasn't any joke when I was a boy. We knew there was a hell. We knew that we were miserable, wretched sinners. Nobody talked to us about the divinity of humanity. They said we were born in sin and we knew it. And they said we were sinners by practice and nature and we knew all that. And oh, how we used to have conviction. How in campaigns I've seen them when they called in the hour of midnight and say, I just can't live. i got to get right with God. I've seen them when they couldn't sleep for nights crying out in agony. Conviction. Let me tell you something. This old world needs it. America needs it. We need in the churches more than ninety percent of all the folks coming forward to revival meeting are church members. I'll venture that ninety-five percent of the converts of all the evangelistic campaign in America are church members. They join the church, brought up in the church. And when they joined, they didn't stop to think what they were doing. They said, you need the church, and the church needs you. Come on, let's work together. You didn't have that in Osborne. They stood up there and preached the devil out of us. We don't have much of that preaching anymore. Most of the preaching we have in this country wouldn't produce any conviction most of the folks that come forward join the church don't think about conviction listen that's what seemed matter with this country and these religious bosses and these ecclesiastical organizations are taking their machine position and driving folks most of whom have never been born again and driving them in the name of church pride church loyalty not loyal to some doctrine but Lord, there's some program that keeps the bosses in power. That's what you feast? Now, according to this statement we'll released the other day with some preachers. In a certain southern state, they want all the denominations to get together and control the thing. All right, let them have them. We've set up a program in Bob Jones University uh, that the spiritual people gravitate to. I don't care what you call them, and nobody's going to take their consciences and deliver them out, lock, stock, and barrel. You can't do that with Christian people. And the other crowd, listen, the other crowd can't deliver anyhow. That's the reason God Almighty is raising up independent evangelists and leaders in this country and independent mission boards. This, this, if you want to know what God Almighty is doing, go to the mission field and see what the independent missionaries are doing. God Almighty is not going to let His train be flagged by. A red lantern in the hand of some ecclesiastical boss in this country. You're not going to stop it. that way. Conviction. I've seen signs of it in my last campaign. One before that. All right, the Holy Spirit now. There's no conviction without it. Understand that man. There may be a sense of fear. A sense of uneasiness. And there may be such a thing as a troubled conscience. Because conscience sometimes is always regulated by what you believe. Your conscience depends on your creed. If you believe you ought to keep Saturday for the Lord's Day, you don't do it, your conscience hurts. If you think as I'm sure we are right, then we ought to keep the Lord's Day in this Christian era. Then your conscience hurts you if you don't do it. Conscience regulates what you believe. A Catholic's conscience hurts if he doesn't go to Mass on Sunday morning. Protestant conscience doesn't hurt him because he doesn't believe what a Catholic believes. They don't believe the same thing. Protestant believes in an authoritative Bible, and the Catholic in an authoritative Pope and church. There's a difference, and that makes a difference in conscience. So you even have a troubled conscience and not be under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Many a man feels mean about the way he treats his wife. That's not conviction necessarily. The conviction's an entirely different thing of it. A sinner, when he's convicted, is convicted because he's sinned against Jesus Christ he feels guilty to think he a poor miserable sinner that Jesus died to save Dad, a sin against him he thinks of all his other sins that he committed his sins against Christ that's the work of the Holy Spirit John 16 8 and when he is come he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment reprove them of sin Righteousness and judgment. Take this passage, Hebrews 3 7 8. Wherefore, the only going to saith Today, if ye hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Don't rebel against the voice of God, as in the day of temptation and the wilderness. All right, let's see if we can't take one or two more steps. Holy Spirit's a person. Let's get back to it. What kind of form? I don't know. I don't know. I can think of personalities that I can't conceive that form they angels of the personalities. Heavenly creatures of the personalities. Uh, the Holy Ghost is a person. I'm not concerned about his form. I'm concerned about who he is and what the Bible says about it. Alright, now. He's at work in this world. Convicts some sin. I talked to a fellow yesterday on a conviction. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to him. Wondering what Jesus wants him to do. Wonders if he's in the will of God for his life. Now he convicts of sin, and then he takes another step. He reveals Christ as the world's only Savior. Any voice that says one religion is good is another religion is not the voice of the Holy Ghost. Any man that says there are many ways to heaven, we'll all eventually get there, coming different roads. He doesn't know anything about the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit is a great diagnostician came down heaven to earth he comes to the sinner and feels his pulse says you're running You takes the sinner's blood pressure said it's high in this world of excitement and sin he tests the sinner's blood figuratively speaking and says you've got a disease that's going to kill you Disease of sin. You're a poor, miserable sinner. Sick. And the sinner has disease that kills him. The wages of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. You're dead. Figuratively speaking, already dead. But there's a second death more terrible than this. You're going to have that but he said I know a doctor that can cure you and make you well. How many doctors? Just one. Just one doctor. He can cure any sin in the world and you don't have to be sick like this. He's able to fix you right. This doctor he's one able to save unto the uttermost all who come to God by him. Who is He? Jesus. He's the only physician and the one that can fix you. And if you won't have him, go die. There's salvation in no other name but his name. If you won't have him, there's nothing can be done for you. Masonry won't save you. Odd fellowship won't save you. Education won't save you. Christian philosophy won't save you. Baptism won't save you. Keeping one day instead of another won't save you. Obedience won't save you because you can't obey. Get hard till you get right. You can't do anything for yourself. You have no remedy. Man has no remedy. Church has no remedy. Jesus is a remedy. Church won't save you. If the church is ever saved Jesus Christ, shall have to save the church. There is salvation, Lord. Let's beware of any voice that points to any other person or any organization. Let's, the need of this day is the exaltation of Jesus Christ. We're exalting man-made programs and church programs. And exalting education. And exalting everything else on earth. Magnifying other things. And looking to man for leadership. Who's going to be present? Who's going to get us out of trouble? Who's going to save us? We need a man, somebody says. We have a man. The man Christ Jesus. The only one. Listen. Listen. I want to tell you young people, and you make a note of this, you're in one institution that never has one time shoved Jesus Christ around. We don't care who's here. PhDs that come to inspectors, scholars from other places, religious bosses. It matters not who's around here. You are sitting in one institution from the day it was founded to this day has given Jesus Christ a preeminent place. And that's the only place he'll have. You try to put him second. You try to shove him around and get a nice comfortable seat by pushing him over in one corner. He won't take the corner. He will either save or judge our world, and damn it! This world's guilty of high treason. Jesus Christ is God's divinely anointed and divinely anointed King. And if you push here the King aside, in any particular, you're guilty of high treason. There are religious bosses in America today who are guilty of high treason in the universe of God. Because they pushed him out of his position as a savior and made him a teacher. Shoved him around and made him just an example. And classified him with other people. You can't classify Jesus. There never has been but one. There never will be but one. He's the only one. And that's the message of the Holy Ghost. And any voice that magnifies any other name, even along with his name, is not the voice of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I get so sick and sad. In my last town, there was a page of church advertisement. You couldn't find the name of Jesus Christ on the page. I went down and looked at it. Went down the page... And away down the corner, I saw his name in connection with a sermon a preacher was going to preach. Headline, the church needs you, you need the church. Holy Ghost isn't trying to sell the church in this country. You don't have to sell it. You sell Jesus Christ, he'll sell it. You don't have to sweat and tug and toil. And plead and exhort and beg men who are born again and love Jesus. You don't have to beg them. Let them put Jesus up in the right place. That's the solution to the problem. When he gets up there and everything else gets to the right place. Church takes its place. Wife takes her place. Husband takes his place. Friend takes his place. Every enemy takes his place. Everybody takes his place. Listen. He out of first place, that's what's the matter of the world. Whenever he's out of the first place, nothing's in place. Holy Spirit should talk about him. Listen. Watch out for these folks that go around all the time talking Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. They don't know anything about him. He's to be honored. We're honoring him today. But you can't honor him unless you tell me in his business. You're not honoring the Holy Ghost. I was in a place one time with a friend of mine and cold chills ran up and down my back. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Never mention Jesus Christ. Listen, you are not honoring the Holy Ghost. You want to honor the Holy Ghost? You want to get his hand of applause today? Stand up and tell the world about Jesus Christ. That name high over all in heaven and earth and hell. Tell them about Jesus. You want to honor the Holy Ghost? If you do, all right. You can do it. Exalt Jesus. That's the business of the Holy Ghost. You're not honoring him, you're dishonoring him. Trying to cross him up on his job. They go around over his country. Underscoring just maybe some manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Never talking about Jesus Christ. Now notice the scripture. It's plain, you don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to guess around here. John 16, 14, 15. Holy Ghost is coming. What did Jesus say about him? He shall glorify me. You get it? Who are you, Jesus? The risen Son of God going back home but I won't leave this world till I have somebody to talk about me. He shall glorify me. You can stand out here on Bob Jones University campus till Doomsday. Talk about Jesus. Beg folks to come to Jesus. And you've got some fellows in this country that are high up in their churches, the Ecclesiastical Organization, will say, well, he doesn't belong to our crowd. He's not going along with our machine or organization. (laughs) But born-again people, that know Jesus, love Jesus, they say, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God for the exaltation of Jesus.
1: There isn't anything a
0: Christian wants as much as that. He's so glad when somebody sings all hail the power of Jesus name. Because the Holy Spirit, I'll show you before I get through, is in the Christian's body. I'll show you that before we get through this subject. He shall glorify me. He shall receive of mine and show it unto you. Now notice, who are you, Jesus? All things of the Father hath are mine. All things. The universe. I create the earth and light all stars. I made all things. Listen. All creation was made for Jesus Christ. Every sun that shines. Every star that looks like a diamond point in the sky at night. Everything in the universe was made for Jesus Christ. Everything. The flowers are His. The rivers running to the sea. All creation is His. All the Father hath in mind. Belongs to me. And the Holy Ghost wants me exhausted. I died. I was wounded. Men spat in my face. A wicked world cast me out. I was buried in a tomb sealed with a governmental seal of an empire. But it didn't say that. I'm coming into my own someday. All creation, Paul says, groans and travails in pain, waiting for deliverance. Every chord in nature's in the minor key. The wind sighs, the sea moans, and the autumn wind sings a sad song at night. The leaves wither and die and drop from the tree. All creation. But it's his creation. And someday he'll put it back where it was. A perfect creation! All the Father hath the mind. Therefore, therefore... Since I am who I am and have what I have and have done what I've done, therefore said I, he shall take a mine and show it to me. Holy Ghost don't run up here and and say, look at me. He runs up and says, look at Jesus. Not a wildfire in this country called the work of the Holy Ghost. It's demonism. Pure, unadulterated, demon power. This he's being counterfeited in revival meetings sometimes. I've seen demon manifestations that they call operations of the Holy Ghost. Nobody heard anything about Jesus. That's not the Holy Ghost. That is if you can depend on what Jesus said. John 15, 26. But when the comforter, you know, that's just a part of his work. He doesn't do that altogether. He does that when necessary, when things are rightful. Uh, the Greek scholars around here will tell you the paraclete. One that goes along beside you. Goes along with you. But when is come. Whom I shall send unto you from the Father. I'll send him. I'll ask the Father. He'll come because I asked my Father, they can come. My Father don't want him to forget me either. He wants men and women in a world of sin to remember me. My Father won't. I'll ask him and he'll send me. The Holy Ghost will come because I'm going to tell the Father about it. Father will give me anything I want. Anything I ask of him I can get. And I'm going to ask him. Let the Holy Ghost come. When the company has come whom I shall send unto you from the Father. Who is he? Even the Spirit of truth. Don't be mistaken about who he is. Which proceedeth from the Father. Notice, he shall testify of me. You understand? It's what Jesus said. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Some of you folks with your wild, foolish ideas about the Holy Ghost. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Misrepresent him around here. Up and down this land. You want to properly represent the Holy Spirit? You can. By properly representing Jesus, and you can't properly represent Jesus unless you have him. As I'll show you later. All right, I think I'll get one more point. Now what is he? A person. Personal pronouns used. Equally associated with the Father and Son. Things predicated of him you couldn't predicate of an influence. You can't predicate of an influence what's predicated of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. You can't grieve a thing. You can grieve a person with feelings. It's possible to grieve the Holy Ghost. You can't vex something that doesn't have feelings. It's possible to be vex the Holy Spirit. So he's a person. Where is he? In this world. Why'd he come? Because Jesus went away and he wanted the Holy Spirit down here to tell us about Jesus. He's in this world, this earth, the stage of his action. Listen, if the Holy Ghost today, while I'm talking, should wing his way back to heaven, right now, anarchy, pandemonium, would break out over this world. Paul says, He who now hinders will hinder The Antichrist can't quite take over. The devil can't quite run it. Somebody checks him. Somebody holds him back. Somebody hinders him. That's the presence of the Holy Ghost on earth. He restrains, holds back. Sometimes, about the time the world's ready to go into anarchy and chaos, the Holy Ghost pours out power of a revival. They say if it had them in for the revival in the West End Whitfield back in the British Isles years ago the historians tell us that the same anarchy that swept France was ready to sweep England listen a great revival in this nation might drive back anarchy and chaos for a while Holy Ghost didn't promise to save the world he's promised to hinder and restrain till the day comes. And as I understand the Bible, and I think it might say in passing, when Jesus comes again, there's two acts. As I understand it. It is worth considering because a great many Bible scholars. I don't claim to be a great Bible scholar. But many of the great Bible scholars like Tari and Erdman and others hold exactly this position. If Jesus should come now in the first act, every saved person in the world would be caught away. He that now hinders will hinder until he be taken out of the way. When the saved go up, the restraint of the Holy Ghost in the sense of restraining is taken away. And God Almighty leaves this world, according to these Bible scholars, for a little period of time a little period of time, and lets man try himself without God for just a little while, and it'll be the worst hell the world's ever known. A time so terrible, if it were not short, or the Bible, no flesh could be saved. No flesh could be saved. Listen, every man on earth is obligated to the Holy Ghost. Every sinner, however vile he may be, has some protection in this world, in this material world, because the Holy Ghost is here. Whole world go to hell without him. Before Judgment Day. He's here. Now he... He's here to convict of sin. He's here to speak to sinners about how they can be saved and recommend a savior to them, a physician. Then what else is he? The great diagnostician recommends a physician. Then what is he? He's a trained nurse. He becomes a nurse and gives us the medicine. Isn't he wonderful? Tells me I'm a sick man, lost, ruined. Tells me about a physician that can make me whole, that gave the call. Not for healthy people, but sick people. And he says, Now, if you'd like to have him, I can fix it up for you. And then the Holy Ghost becomes a nurse. See? And he gives us the medicine, ties the blood, cleansing we are regenerated spiritual life comes into an earthen vessel eternal life and he puts into this earthen vessel of ours life that's eternal say it be wonderful let's understand in what way he's wonderful all right John 6 63 notice now It's the spirit that quickly that is give life. The flesh, the flesh, profits nothing. Doesn't matter whether it's educated or uneducated. The flesh profits nothing. What is the flesh? Flesh is man in the raw. It's man as he is before he's converted. It's man minus God. It's what I am naturally. That's the flesh. You can educate it. Greeks had education. Give them culture. Give them art. Give them drama. Look at Hollywood. Go in the lands of the world where they have the greatest works of art. Where the greatest artists lived. Right in the midst of Grecian culture, perversity, degeneracy, corruption game. The flesh... The flesh, when it comes to spiritual matters, isn't worth a copper. The nicest man that ever lived, the purest woman that ever lived, unless that man or woman's born again, will die and go to hell. If you haven't been born again, anybody in this house, anybody listening over there, You're on your way to hell. There's nothing you can do that'll get you anything. If anything's done for you, you've got to tell the Holy Ghost to bring me the medicine. I'll take it. And you know what happens? Sometimes the medicine's awfully bitter. I told you one time, the way the devil does, he sets a cup out in front of you. And says, take a drink out of this cup. And you take it. And you get an exhilaration, all the thrill of life. And you say, oh, isn't it wonderful to be alive? So exciting, so thrilling, so nice, isn't it wonderful? And then you take another drink. But it isn't quite the same. You don't feel quite as well. Just keep drinking. The further you get to the bottom of the cup... The less satisfying it is. Then after a while, get out the bottom of the cup. Some dregs there. You've been drinking out of the devil's cup so long. You say, I'll try this now. You turn up the cup with the dregs. And in the bottom where the dregs are, there's a scorpion sting. And the hiss of a serpent. The last of the cup's bad. Holy Ghost gives you the medicine sometimes in a different way. He says, here's your medicine. And your first draft, it's a draft of repentance. And you say, it's so bitter. I'm so miserable. I've sinned against God. This cup is, it's terrible. I don't see how I can drink it. I wish I could have. It'd make me well, but it's so bitter. Well, just go on, swallow it. And you get down towards the bottom of the glass. Water. Clearer and crystal. It's a fountain. The water of life. You never drank anything like it. Just get the first thing, swallow it. Don't hesitate. Don't turn back because it's been a drain cat. There's no dregs in the bottom. All the dregs in the top of the glass. Repentance. Holy Spirit represents Jesus. It's a spirit that gives life. First profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. They are life. 2 Corinthians 3.6 2 Corinthians 3.6 Who also hath made us... Able ministers of the New Testament. I want you to notice this now. Not of the letter. (laughs) Pharisees were good with the letter of the law. Not of the letter. But of the Spirit. (laughs) I think I preached to you the other day, didn't I? On the Spirit of Jesus is a testimony of prophecy. That's what the messenger told John. Not the left. I know some men that believe like I believe and preach everything I preach. Premillennial Bible students. And I've had a few of them on this platform in the old days. They were so cold. They were so dead. But they were so sound. And boys and girls listened to them. But if they'd have been sinners here, they wouldn't have been saved. Listen, the letter still kills. You can be theologically sound, so were the Pharisees. You can be theologically sound, but a letter of the law, theologian. Guess it's all right to have some of those men write some books for us. Nothing wrong in knowing theology. You ought to know it. Certainly the fundamentals. But you know it might be possible to get more interested in theology than you all in taking the medicine and being saved. I've heard a few sermons that they were so theologically correct they did something for my mind. I enjoyed them and I went out thinking about the logic of the position but didn't think a great deal about Jesus. You know orthodoxy is logical, modernism isn't logical. I never knew a logical modernist in my life. Conservative theology is the only orthodox theology in the world. And there's something about the so logical it's convincing to the mind. But your mind may be convinced. As Felix was convinced when he stood there and said, I'll send for you later when it's convenient. I've seen thousands of folks convinced. They were unconverted. Now it's a letter of the law that killeth. it's the Spirit giveth life. John 3, 5. I want to get this verse to you and want you to get it right too. And I know I'm right about it. I know I'm right about this verse in the light of other scriptures. I'll tell you about that tomorrow or maybe in the message this afternoon. John 3, 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you. He didn't say this is my opinion. He didn't say this is probably so. Or he didn't say, I think this through, I'm convinced. Notice what he said. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water enter the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God Jesus Christ was not talking about water baptism I know he wasn't because I know it in the light of other verses he couldn't have been he wasn't talking about water baptism listen I'm not discussing it but ask any doctor in the country the first birth is a water birth The second birth isn't a water birth, it's a spirit birth. In other words, Jesus says, Nicodemus, you were born one time, but you got to be born another time. Water hasn't got one thing to do with your salvation. Not a thing. I don't think a man could be saved they were so stubborn he wouldn't be baptized. I think a man that really wants to be saved would be willing to go to the mourner's bench or an inquire room or church altar or jump in the pool or do anything else. I don't think jumping in the pool or going to a baptismal fountain and have some put on your head or kneeling an altar anywhere else saves you. That's not salvation. If salvation depends upon water, and I obey God to get saved, then salvation is on the base of obedience. That's not the basis. By grace are you saved through faith, not of works. All I can do to be saved is to accept what Christ did for me, take what he offers me. Except a man be born twice, he cannot be saved. Cannot enter the kingdom of God. He's born the first time into this world by water. Born the second time by the Spirit. You've had two births if you're a Christian. What he's talking about? You don't have to strain the Scripture like this to make baptism put in your program. Put baptism where it belongs. Strange how in our efforts sometimes to put things where we want it, we go around and emphasize. Jesus Christ was settling here forever and eternally, writing down a fundamental principle forever. You mean to tell me if I'm in the middle of a desert, no water in 200 miles oh. there, and I hear the gospel, want to be saved, no water around got to carry me on a stretcher two hundred miles get some water and then bring me back to the blood don't believe a word of it I hadn't got any sense in it God isn't in it no sense in it it's not in the Bible it's not in the Bible you can read anywhere else in there. it just isn't here that's all he's not talking about birth in this world
1: his whole message is on a new
0: birth Except a man be born again, except a man born of water of the Spirit. He has to be born a second time. That was the emphasis. All right. John 3 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof. Canst not tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. You don't have to understand the wind. You don't have to understand this. We're told in the Bible to give a reason for the hope that's within us. But you have to have the hope within you before you give any reason for it. You get the hope, but just trust in Jesus. And you get this life, and get saved, and you get the hope within you. It's nice to know all this. It gives you something to tie to, and something that holds you and fixes you. It's wonderful. But the wind blows. You hear the sound thereof. Don't know which way it's coming, where it's going, but it blows on you. And I was 11 years old. Holy Ghost passed through a little country church. And I was kneeling up in the front. And I got a little breath of heavenly wind in my soul. Born again. I love what I never loved before and hate what I never hated before. I was a new creation, today. Wasn't the same, Bob Jones. Been before. I was a new boy. Listen. A Christian's a new creation. A new creation. He's something he never was before. Last word. Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. If you could live a million years and save God every moment of the life. And walk up at the end of a million years and look at God and say, God, here I am. All these good deeds. And God would hold his nose and turn away and say, That dirty rag right? smells me. Right? But the poor old bomb, walking down the street of town, miserable, slave of habit, can look up and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and trust Jesus. And he trusts him that moment drops dead look to the face of God God says what's your claim he says Jesus your son's my claim it's his blood that covered my poor's guilty heart washed away my sin not by works of righteousness which we've done or can do that's not in there but it's in other places but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now, that's the way it happens. Now, this afternoon, I think so far, we're all pretty well together. This afternoon, we're going to take another step. As I say to you, the these messages were brought to you at the request of the folks over here, of the executives in the school. Try so I'm giving you the message. And I'll be on again this afternoon, again tomorrow morning, try to get through with it. Our Heavenly Father, if there's anybody in this building that isn't saved, could be any student around here, we don't know any of them, they're not saved. Could be one here that isn't saved. Help that one while heads are bowed right now to trust Jesus Christ. Settle this thing for all eternity. Hear us in this prayer. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.